My goodness, Garrett, we are hot off the presses. Forbidden Door just ended. We're, we're, we literally, we're jumping right in. We're fucking, we're getting ready to go. Oh my God, Absolutely. Bro. I mean, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you are uh, checking out the show, if this is your first show, we are Eat Sleep Elite. This is our podcast. Uh, we're a weekly show where we review AEW Weekly, but on pay-per-views, you know, we get out there. We, we got to do the pay-per-view right away. So if you guys are catching this on Monday, we really appreciate it, but Garrett, let's just let's get some overall thoughts. I feel like that's what oh, we like to do when we open up the thoughts. show. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I for for one, like I mean, I didn't expect the uh, the pace of this show to be as insane as this. Give me one second. Yeah, the pace was just unbelievable. I mean, and that you felt that even in the buy-in because they they added a buy-in match, right? And I was like, what the hell? And but yeah, man, the the whole show just. Every match got its time to breathe, and as we'll kind of go through this, there was not a sub-10 minute match on the actual card. And I think that's something I think that's something of note here, man. I mean, I think that's something worth noting of what maybe the trajectory of a Forbidden Door 2 could look like, or just the relationship of these companies being together. But yeah, guys, that being said, um, if you guys want to give us a follow on Twitter, uh, I'm O'Charlie with an X instead of an A. You can catch Garrett at Bane Duke. And yeah, so yep. I guess let's just uh, let's hop right in here. Let's let's go right through the buy-in. We're, we're just gonna kind of go beginning to end, and I think that's the best way to do it. We'll spend some more time on some stuff than uh, others of our favorites, and you know how that goes. Absolutely, buy-in kicks off. I believe it was like eight minutes into the buy-in, we have a match, and I'm like, okay, here we fucking go. We're rolling. Might have been even quicker than that. We had QT Marshall and Aaron Solo representing the factory facing yep. Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. They have a tag team name. I believe it's called Bish- Bishamon. So, all right. Right away, I <laughs> I was like, if this, if this is the pace we're getting for the night? Because I actually really enjoyed this match, Garrett. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I didn't like, I don't think everything on the buy-in was like spectacular, but I don't think it was all intended to be. Um, you know, not, not, not a knock on anything. I just think, you know, the, the buy-in had to be like a certain level so that the rest of the show could actually go off, you know? Um, cause they knew exactly. what they were it's, getting it's to get into. Get the crowd warmed up. Get them warmed Absolutely. up. Some get people um, on the page. Uh, Goto chopped the fuck out of uh QT. Um, <laughs> I really liked Goto here. Um, I really want to see them do more with, with Goto and AEW. I would like to say some matches I would like to see. Um, just because of the style and uh, Yoshihashi, very interesting. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Yoshihashi and Hiroki go to challenge FTR for those titles. Gotta say, that would be hey, if you maybe that's something they do. Face New Japan team, so you know that's. Um, yeah, so we'll I mean, at the end here, uh, Cutie went for a four fifty splash. She ended up missing Yoshihashi. Hashi took advantage of that, hit a low key, a low drop kick on Soto. Goto tagged in, set up Hashi for the super kick on QT. He uh, go to hit the Yushi Garoshi on QD, and they hit an elevated DDT on Solo for the win. So they pick up their first win in AEW as a tag team, and yeah, these guys are uh, multi-time champions um, with each other in in New Japan. I believe they are one-time champions as a tag and one time as a six-man tag. So yeah, 
pretty cool. They they wanted it at the Tokyo Dome this year, so yeah, I, I welcome a spot, a good first Absolutely. opener. And then we had you know, a match. I, yeah, we, we were saying. Uh, well, yeah, what I was saying, I don't know if this was on the pay per view preview or if it was on uh, the weekly pod uh, ESE that you can listen to weekly on this uh, same feed. Um, I remember saying to you though that it makes sense that they give. Um, not just the factory, but QT Marshall, something on some of the pay-per-views, just because of how important he is to AEW in general. Yeah. Um, so I really and, like And him wrestling in New Japan Strong, wrestling those dojo Absolutely. guys all the time. Yeah. So Absolutely. It's like a, a nice tip of the cap. And that's kind of what we got with our next match here. Uh, Lance Archer and Nick Camarado. This was, I believe, straight up added on the buy-in. Yeah, like, I don't think I, I, I don't heard think anything this was about anywhere. this until right before it happened, basically. So... Like, this is just a Lance Archer. Uh, hey, he's wrestling in the G1. We probably want to get him on our show, so let's squeeze him in here. And Absolutely. why not? I, by the way, I am all for buy-ins being four straight matches. Totally fucking cool with that because that really did warm me up. Yeah, I, and they have been a little bit like, you know, they've done the, the – I always bring up WWE. They do the WWE thing sometimes where there's like 20 minutes of talking in a row. Yeah, and like, wait, we don't need that. <laughs> If it's good, I'll take it. But if it's not like yeah, that, that last buy-in, you know. it was literally just talk, and then we had a six-minute match between with with Hookhausen. So, yeah, I prefer this much more. <laughs> Absolutely. That being said, Archer versus Camarado, it actually had a little bit more time than I thought. This match went uh, just a little bit over six it minutes. Did, it did seem like they gassed out a little bit. I don't know if they just didn't have any. I don't know because both guys don't seem like the kind to gas out, but I think they kind of just went to that because. Archer walks out yeah. by hitting that spring rope cannonball and just yeah, lands he on did. his head again, of course. That was a nuts eye, actually. That was pretty crazy. He uh, he did the tightrope walk, and then instead of doing the normal like uh, like chop or whatever the hell you do on the uh, old school, he did like a moonsault off the rope. That was yeah, pretty nuts. Yeah, and it, it worked really well. He And then he ended up hitting him with that rising knee strike on him before hitting the blackout for the pinfall win. So Lance Archer picks up the victory here. It makes sense to have Lance Archer on here because he's going to be wrestling in Japan next month. So I, you know, this was like, you, you forget that both of these guys are like super athletic. A Camarado did like a kip up, or not kip up, but like the little flip move up onto the turnbuckle that set up the blackout or whatever. That was like, it's just like, you, I, why is a man that size able to move like that? It's just not right. Um, it's not right. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's unholy. Uh, you know, like, yeah. Um, we then jump to Clark Connors being interviewed by Alex Marvez says that he would, he is going to become the inaugural all Atlantic champion. I thought this was a nice, uh, get him on there. Cause absolutely. Unless you watched AEW dark, you probably are unfamiliar with this guy. As, Even uh, if you if watched you, AEW dark, you didn't really get much yeah. to, to know about him. He wrestles mostly. in uh, new Japan strong didn't he and, a couple times in those LA Tojo squatches. Like, I mean like, you know, ooh. yeah. So but, he, I think he did too, and, but yeah, this was good. I, I like the idea of getting him, uh, getting him an interview with Marvez and yeah, I do want to know what that match would have looked like with the, she, though that would have been, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, swerving our glory versus El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Garrett, this was a kind of a, a really cool match to have on the buy-in because those guys are four-time junior heavyweight tag team champions, yep. and Swerving Our Glory has kind of been like been the hot tag team for the past four months Absolutely. in AEW. And I gotta say, man, this really fucking delivered for me. I and even including the promo after with with Hobbs and Starks, I. 
this might be one of my favorite buy-in segments since the first AEW show, All Out, where they had the Battle Royal and Flip Gordon made the debut and actually won it, going on to challenge Jay Lethal later on the show. Next to that, I got—I really think this is a great fucking match. And I, I don't know if we'll ever see them wrestle again because yeah. – those guys are definitely they're junior heavyweights, and we got these guys are he- our guys are heavyweights. Yeah, but I gotta say, I think they made made the best of all of it, and they kind of worked Keith Lee in a different way than we're used to. Also, they it really more worked the, way the that legs. You expect Keith Lee to work if you watched anything he did in the Indies before he came to WWE. I mean, um, you know, because that was kind of the thing that I think drew a lot of people to Keith Lee was that he doesn't really wrestle the traditional big man style. At least he yep. did. He wrestled and, more and of that like, European big man style, like that Camarado style where he, they can fly around at like light speed, you know, like. Whereas in this match, they really grounded him and he was grounded for about a good eight, nine minutes and then he let loose. And I thought that was a nice touch to it because that let Swerve get going. And there were so many good spots here, man. I mean, just whether <laughs> every time Swerve does a, his fucking kick to the back of the head. <laughs> it gets a reaction on like anything every single time. And every time Swerve hits his double stomp to the back of the head, dude. Oh, it's just so good, man. It's it's just so nice. But yeah, I mean, anything else you got for this one? Uh Swerve and Keith Lee ended up winning this with the fireman's just, carry. Just uh one I really like Suzuki Goon as a faction. Um Agreed. one of my favorites that, that got to come over across the pond, uh across the pond, across the Pacific, whatever you want to call it. Um that made it over from Japan, and uh, I, I just thought the crowd was super hot during this match for both Swerve and for Lee. Um, and I think even Suzuki Goon got a pop at one point. It was this wild show; like everything was upside down. Like there was no good guys and bad guys on, the, on any of these matches. Like it was just like wrestling chaos throughout the entire entire night. <laughs> it really was. Like, um, do you think uh, Lee and Swerve are back on the same page now, especially? And let, let's talk about that promo now after. Okay, yeah. Especially so, with Starks and Hobbs kind of calling them back out. I mean, you hope that they are. I think maybe the way Lee will try and play this is if if I were him, I'm not, not Keith Lee, but if I was Keith Lee, I would be thinking in my head, okay, so I said we're not on the same page yet, but we need to win. But now we've been called out and we're not still on the same page. So we need to get back on the same page by beating Hobbs and Stark. Now, I don't want them to lose, but if that's how they have to do it in storyline to keep things together, yeah. if that's what they want to do, they could also use that if they want to, if they want to put Hobbs and Starks over again, they could use that as the opportunity to break them up. And, I mean, it, it you know, um, yeah, you have move both them onto options. a blood singles feud and then they can go their separate ways. Absolutely. So, I mean, you have, you have different options if you, as you want to head toward, the next pay-per-view. So I, I, I think um, I think the fact that they didn't decide to do anything here is good, especially on the buy. Yeah. That been and, and Ricky starts with a live mic is is everything. Gold. And that jumps us into the next best guy with a live mic. Max Caster. Whew. Holy I mean, shit. This was awesome, man. The Gun Club and Max Caster versus uh, the DKC, Kevin Knight, Alex Coughlin, and Yuya Uemura. And I believe Uemura is uh, Red Shoes' uh, son, and Red Shoes wasn't here. I was, I was a little, little. Uh, I kind of was hoping yeah, he would be. There was going to be a mix of. We did get the mix of commentary, but we didn't really get the mix of refs. Yes. Like they oh, a good reminder. Everything. I wanted to touch on that. I thought we adding Kevin Kelly and ref. I think throughout the whole show, right? Like so. Yeah, and he he worked a couple of these matches, and adding Kevin Kelly with Excalibur and Taz. What a fucking trio, man. 
Oh and yeah, I mean, Excalibur and Taz you know, are my Tony favorite. Khan realized he needed to have Taz on this whole show because of all the technical styles and wrestling different styles that Taz is like just like an expert on. You and he's know? great at color commentary for that. And so you needed Taz. Excalibur is the same way. He knows everything and every Japanese wrestler's like ancient history, like which is great because you need something like that too. And then having the recent New Japan storylines being covered. Not that Excalibur doesn't know that stuff too, but you know I'm sure he's focused and mostly on the, the AW voice stuff. of English New Japan coverage. You yeah, know? Absolutely, he's the voice of our coverage. I mean, he's and you got a mix of different AEW people as well throughout the different course of the show. Um, yeah, that was a nice touch and. Yeah, so w- with this match here, Garrett. Yes. We started off with Max Caster getting a fucking beautiful roast. <laughs> there, there was some lines about hentai, and yeah, <laughs> it, it was really good. And what ends up happening is Dan Housen cuts to the screen, and I was like, "Oh shit, here we go." Dan Housen has a new song for the Ass Boys, and I remember thinking, "I thought Dan Housen pairing up with the Ass Boys would have been great," but then we had the acclaim pair with him, and I'm like, "Okay, I love this." So I basically Dan Housen goaded the two uh, the two brothers out, Colton and Austin. They ran out of the arena chasing down Dan Housen and left Billy and Max to wrestle the match themselves. And I think that actually worked for the better because you let Max get the heat. He Max got the fucking heat first. He kind of starts booting up. Billy Gunn comes in and just lays waste to the young guns, which has got to be awesome for them, by the way. Oh, absolutely. I was just saying, like, that's the one thing I wrote down in my notes is like Billy Gunn just continuing to prove that he's like insane at his age. And I still I still think I want to see Billy Gunn versus Sting uh, at, at like a combined 170 years old or something, you know, I think it could um, work. And again, Garrett, you know who stuck out for me from the dojo? Kevin Knight. I, I remember saying something to you the first time we saw Kevin Knight yep. uh, all those weeks ago on um on the dark on dark with the QT Marshall and the, the LA dojo stuff. And I, there's I something, there something Kevin there. Knight, man. The, Kevin so. Knight really sticks out to me with the, with the group of dojo guys. Yeah, well, he be the next Wheeler Yuta. Cause Wheeler Yuta also came out of new Japan strong. Like, <laughs> yeah, and this guy could be coming from the dojo. So it's like really neat. So gun ends up hitting the famous on DKC caster tags in hits the mic drop for the pinfall win. DKC eating pinfalls, uh, Friday and Sunday, huh? Nice. Uh, tough for him, but you know, <laughs> sometimes it's like that. But yeah, so um, the Such Ass Boys song was pretty line. good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as uh, as as buy-in shows go, it was pretty solid. I mean, um, Agreed. I, I gotta say, I really enjoyed the buy-in, and, I, and that brings us to our main show here. So we'll kind of dive through, and uh, this is the only match to me that I actually had problems with with my uh, stream, but I okay. for the most part. This was a 19-minute uh, match. I'd say I caught 17 and a half minutes of it, so I really didn't miss much. I think I probably missed some bits of everything, but I mean... Yeah. I, but this I was the only enough. one that I really kind of got fucked with. So, I think I was actually okay during this one. This might have been the only one I was actually like fully okay we had, the whole thing, but I could be wrong. Kicking us off, we had Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki with Ty Conti facing Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. And Garrett, I saw people talking about how Shota Umino looks like a younger Tanahashi, looks more like younger Tanahashi than younger Tanahashi did. Yeah, absolutely. And he my God, like, does yeah. he have a fucking they cloned? Look. They cloned Tanahashi, <laughs> and that's Shota Umino. Um, and he got some great offense. I mean, there's so many great moments in this, but I think what, something we wanted to touch on were the one v ones. Yes. And let's let's kick it off with Eddie Kingston and Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Uh, 
So th- that match needs to happen for one. That's uh, on I don't AEW think I've, TV. Th- that has to be the hardest exchange of chops I've ever seen. I fucking love Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> this is awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, uh, I, when, when they first squared off against each other in the ring, I remember thinking like, oh, well, fuck, someone's dying. Um, and, uh, what was crazy to me was, I don't, I can't believe we haven't seen these guys like interact at all. And Suzuki's been in and out of AEW for months now. I think the only time they did was on New Japan. So yeah, probably we, during one of those when when he was like, going around. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, I we got to see that match in an AEW ring. Um, I, I I would like to see this in an AEW ring. Yes, and, and I'm with you, man. That was to me that was the hard hitting exchange. And yes. then we got to get into what it was teased here. And every time I felt like they they were doing something with each other, whether it was Ty Conti with the bat, Sammy Guevara and Wheeler Yuta. Holy fuck, do I want to see those guys go at it? Well, yeah, because, again, that's another thing they sleep on about Wheeler Yuta is that he doesn't always do the high-flying stuff, but it's also part of his style, too. Like, yeah. he will throw his body around crazily, too. So, I, 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 yeah, that match that match seems really insane. Everything they did uh, together in the ring in this match was really painful-looking. Um, it really I was. I will say, I don't I was a little surprised. Maybe they just didn't have room for it in the match. There wasn't really like a crazy dive that Sammy hit that I could remember. Um, no, I mean, he kind of just got his spots in on, on ground level there. Um, which he's capable of doing. And I don't, you know, maybe he doesn't want to just be known as that. Maybe he was working an injury. We didn't know about that. Maybe he didn't want to risk. I don't know, but like, yeah. Um, and, and I but, thought early on, we, we got some, uh, a lot of spotlights on some of these new Japan guys like, like Umino here yeah. I thought he had a nice spotlight and he, he ran with it, man. He, he was fucking drop kicking Guevara going nuts on Guevara. And then this was the beginning, by the way, of all the deep storytelling from years of history that was built up between a lot of the AEW talent while they were doing stuff in various points in their careers in new Japan. Um, the stuff between Umino and Jericho was that. And now, because of that little bits that were thrown throughout the match and the building of the story between those two, I want to see that match happen either in New Japan or in AEW. I mean, probably in New Japan, but I would like to see it in AEW too. That'd be awesome. Like, um, yeah. And there was a great uh, the the spinning Eddie's thing, the spinning uh, fucking back Olympian or whatever the uh, spinning back fist that he does. Or yeah, that he landed that, and Suzuki sold the hell out of it, but. So the way this match kind of ends, our closing sequence here, uh, Shota Umino got Jericho in a Boston Crab. Guevara then hit super kicks on Umino. Suzuki hit a headbutt on him. Suzuki then hit a pile driver on Kingston. And then Suzuki and Guevara stomped down uh, Shota Umino. But Umino hit multiple strikes before Jericho hit the Judas effect for the pinfall win. And it makes sense for them to get the win, which we touched multiple times. They're the ones wrestling on Wednesday. They're the faction that's the the biggest heel faction that they have right now, like currently with like in wrestling. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. In, in storyline right now in AEW, they're the sports entertainers in wrestling, um, sports entertainers. So yeah, man, I mean, I gotta say this, this match to me just really fucking got me going and this match fucked. This match did fuck <laughs> 19 minutes on the dot. 
pretty cool. That was a nice start. And then I, we were kind of talking with each other, like, all right, what's coming on next? And I think you were like, oh, my God. FDR <laughs> versus Rapungi Vice versus Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn's up next. They hit Rapungi Vice's music, and that's one of my favorite themes. And I was just like, oh, shit, we're going here. Okay. And so they kind of did a story here where Dax faked an injury. Yeah. I, 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 okay. It was fine. I wasn't in love with the idea, but it made sense because everyone's been fucking cursed with injuries. So I wonder if that played into it. And they were like, all right. So when he comes back, he's going to get the fucking hero's return and he's going to start laying in all this shit. Um, there was most of this... I, most of this match throughout the beginning here, before Dax got back, it was a lot of Rapungi Vice and Wasn't you United Empire. Also, like, because it was there was a lot of good stuff that happened in this match. But do you think it was also because I wrote in my notes? I remember writing in my notes. My, I'm looking at them right now, but I mean, like, um, I, I wrote in my notes that like I feel like this match perfectly did a job of still being really entertaining, but also slowing the pace of the show down enough that the entire show didn't feel like it was completely off the rails the entire yes, time. It did I, have to slow down from the last match for sure. Cause I know, I know by both the end of revolution and double or nothing, a lot of people were saying they were kind of burnt out because of how much was happening. And I think maybe they're starting to, you know, it sucks. Some of the matches aren't going to be perfect, but you know these weird triple threat tag matches aren't really perfect anyway, just because of the weird tagging in non your partner and yeah. all that nonsense anyway. So I mean that I, I feel like maybe that that helped a lot for the for the energy of the show. And I think going that's forward. why having Wheeler out there on his own created a different kind of feel for it, and it, it I really think it worked well. And Great Ocon getting his shit in, <laughs> he and he really he's over, man. I don't. I would never want to fight that man. No, he should. He enjoys pain. He enjoys getting <laughs> fucking hit. Yeah. Um, I don't think he felt anything that happened to him either. He just absorbed it all. I think that's how he gets stronger. To be honest with you, there were some pretty good near falls here. So basically, when Dax comes back, Okan, he kind of starts laying waste to, to everyone, right? And that's that was the whole point of this. He he gets into a really good exchange with Trent that I liked, and Dax Harwood versus Trent Barretta. Hey, cool. I think those guys can fucking wrestle a good match. Cobb starts going that match nuts. Fuck. Ocon goes nuts. We're we're getting towards the end of the match here. There's a German suplex combination on Trent uh, by Ocon. Rocky hit a Topa Suicida on Dax and Ocon. Trent hit the strong zero on Cobb. But Cash broke the pinfall attempt. Rocky got Dax with an O'Connor roll for a near fall, which reminds me, I thought Wheeler Yude had a really cool O'Connor roll into a Spanish fly in that last match. Rocky hit a reverse Insiguri on Dax, but FTR hit Rocky with the big rig for the pinfall, becoming the new IWGP Tag Team Champions and retaining the ROH Tag Titles. Seven-star FTR. I mean, it's... They are AAA, ROH, and IWGP World Tag Team Champions. One more to go. These guys are going to be wrestling in Japan with these titles. It's you know what this happen. means. You know what this means for the next pay per view, right? I mean, it's fucking so easy. You gotta put them against the Bucks, even if they lose. It's fucking money, you know. At all out, I agree. I think all out should be Young Bucks versus FDR. And maybe, maybe make that. But maybe fuck it. Maybe make that winner take all, and then you literally just decide who the greatest tag team champions of all time are. You just do it right there. 
if they do the build up to that the way that we know that they can, oh my That's god. That's the fucking match that FTR have been saying they wanted to have for two years. Let's just do it. The yeah, opportunity let's run is it back, there. dude. Let's run it back. You know the fucking IWGP championships would easily be able to be put on them. It and wouldn't honestly, even be a question. Fucking main evented. That's that's what yeah, that, no, that has to be. If it's if it's winner take all for all those titles, yeah. I mean, obviously. Remember the whole goal with AEW is to make tag team wrestling fucking matter again. That was one of their goals because of the Young Bucks. And I mean, what, what about fucking all out? The goddamn main event is FTR versus the Young Bucks for four different tag team championships <laughs> in a feud that everyone wants, in a feud that everyone cares about, and they go out there have a fucking forty minute two out of three falls match. I mean, I, I just. Co-main event is is hopefully CM Punk versus John Moxley, but if not, maybe make yeah. it John Moxley versus Kenny Omega if it's possible. Ooh. Yeah, anyway. if it's possible, I mean, look, anything's possible there. But fantasy booking, all right. Anyway, I um, think FTR and Young Bucks makes a lot of sense here. That's a, a great yeah. idea. And I, I, I honestly, that's where my brain goes next. Maybe not necessarily the next if they can't like necessarily get into the next cycle of pay per view or something. Say they want to hold off on that for when they have every you know, more people to build a better card around that. Cause I could understand yeah, that. And, but. and that being said, I mean, I really want FDR to be at the next big new Japan show. Oh, they have to be. I, I mean. I, and that should be the G one climax of final where that's where they kind of have other stuff happening. And I would love if FTR is wrestling there, defending those tag team titles in Japan. I, I'd love that. So yeah, man, that was, I think something we were really hoping would happen and it did happen. IWGP United States champion, fake champion, Juice World and Juice World. Wow. Juice Robinson. <laughs> I read Juice Robinson and IWGP World Heavyweight <laughs> Champion right next to each other. Juice Robinson and Jay White were being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, both saying that Bullet Club would remain standing tall at the end of the night. <laughs> Juice Robinson and this character looks awesome, man. Bro, Juice World and that character, I love it. Dude, he looks so good in this character. Like I was, I was really feeling this promo. So they're they're setting up Will Ospreay versus Juice. We kind of knew that going in, and I gotta tell you, man, I think I think I want to see what happens with that title match. I think so we're definitely gonna, gonna start taking peeks over at New Japan now that it's just like even more. I'm starting next week, man. Like that's some of the fucking best shit. That takes Maybe. us to our inaugural AEW All Atlantic Championship match. It was a fatal four way between Pac, Miro, Clark Connors, and Malachi Black. And right away, the momentum's back on. Uh, this match got going fucking fast. And they kind of – I feel like with the wrestlers you have here, you kind of had to, right? Just just let them go all in. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, man, when they, let, when they let Clark Connors kind of get a spotlight here for about 45 yes. seconds and just go nuts and get all this shit in, mm-hmm. the crowd got so behind him. I mean, dude, the crowd was fucking, he was getting bigger reactions than everyone. And I couldn't believe it until the end. But I I was very, I was happy for the guy because it was clearly a a scenario of, you know, one of these guys really hasn't won a lot. And then the other three are like fucking champions everywhere they go, you know? So it's like (laughs) he... I think he took this opportunity and ran with it. And I think I'm happy for him because we, like I said, we've been covering him on dark and even mentioning new Japan, strong results. He's been on there. So it's nice to see, but 
I gotta say, man, this this match didn't wasn't Con- was Connors in the Super Juniors this year? Am I crazy? I don't know if he was in the Super Juniors. I did. Yes, he was. He was. I thought yes. so. I wonder. I thought. I wanted to say. I thought he was like he. He didn't do very well. I don't think. But like he was like in there in the same like category as uh, as Wheeler. I wanted to say. Yep. He like, was. He was in that same block. Yep. So and yeah, man. I think Miro and Pack. Every time that those guys fucking were against each other, it was it was just awesome. The the closing sequence was incredible in this match. But yeah, man. I mean, I guess uh, give me some thoughts on the match and our first champion oh, yeah. here, Pack. Yeah, absolutely. The bastard pack picking up the win uh, with the brutalizer on uh, Connors. Unfortunate for Connors taking the W or taking the W. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great if he took the W, taking the L there. But uh, sometimes, you know, he's the only um, non AEW talent. It, yeah, 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 it is what it is. <laughs> um, there was this really cool sequence where I think Miro didn't miss an anti air defense. Like he just caught everybody and didn't get caught by a single yes. air move. Which I think is like really cool because like it's just like nobody can do that to him. He's like, nope, I'm I've I've seen this before. You can't do that to me. It's good stuff. Uh, Malachi Black bringing out the plunder. Everybody loves that spear through the table from uh, Connors that you mentioned. Yeah, um, that was like during his fucking just rampage. We was going yep. nuts. Uh, and then Miro being taken out with the black mist is a good way to convincingly take out Miro. Yeah, hundred um, percent, dude. That is the best way to take him out. Yep, and it's now, and so, and we didn't see Miro again in the match after that. I, I don't think we saw him again on screen. So, oh, it's yeah, like I think gone. the last forty-five seconds were without him there. Yep. So, and then the sequence I mentioned where Pac hit the—I uh, forget what movie he hit right before the brutalizer. I think it was a four-fifty splash. Ah, uh, yeah, I think you're correct. Uh, it it wasn't the Black Arrow. Yeah, he hit like I just know he hit like some sort of like uh, you know. Uh, dive that that took out the other guy that was in the ring which i believe was malachi and then yeah he hooked on the brutalizer on uh, connor's um yeah it's great great sequence to end the match and um i still don't care about this championship yet but uh, i they're they're slowly making me but i just i don't know i i think we have enough talent for it and this is the perfect example and had enough talent we point to this all the time where where aew originals get their due and pack is just the next in line that did we Scorpio Sky just got his, and it was beautiful. And then right before that, uh, Jurassic Express won in the tag titles. You know, well, you know, it's, it's one of those guys because the ego is going to run wild. You know, yeah, <laughs> and and it's really nice because I like I like the you know I like that we're not forgetting about the originals with all this new talent coming in. And Pac as the first champion. Is Pac's first actual championship win in AEW? Like, I mean, yes, is- this is his first title win in AEW. Okay, I mean, that's good at least, you know? Yeah, and I, I am so glad he won it because now he, he's the one that sets the fucking stakes for it, dude. He's the Absolutely. one that sets, sets the bar for it. We are at a bar. <laughs> and it's just like Jade with the TBS title and where she's setting that bar. And now we got Pac with this new title. So yeah, I think she's breaking the bar. Um, oh, yeah, literally. Um, the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo versus with Hikaleo for Sting, Darby Allen, and Shingo Takagi. We can't start this without saying Sting didn't come out to his entrance. <laughs> they do some creepy shit that I fucking loved, <laughs> and then he crossbodies the entire Bullet Club before the match even starts. Sting is sixty three years old, Garrett. What the hell is going on with this? This guy's a fucking menace, dude. And I love every second of it. Someone needs to stop Sting from not doing this more often because it's awesome. Anyway, um, 
uh yeah uh we yeah so that and then we got the classic young bucks being complete jerks to everybody and taking nothing seriously in the ring <laughs> which i love oh yeah um, dude them and el fantasma doing the fucking back rake i dude i got such a kick out of that because I'm, I'm thinking to myself dude there's gonna be motherfuckers that see a clip of this and lose their shit and i oh, i can't I wait to hear cordat's reaction to them doing the fucking cartwheels for like 10 minutes like <laughs> the twisted nipples on sting that was amazing. There was a really sick hot tag for uh, for Takage at one point. Um, yeah, they they definitely let Shikin go cook. Oh, uh, and then right after that, it launched into that really sick sequence he had where it was just him against both Bucks, and like they just showed yep. off how sick Takage is. Um, yeah, nipples a steal from Sting, um, dude. Oh my god, the great it might might have been the best spot of the entire night was Sting no selling the super kick party. Holy shit, that was awesome! And then he starts ramping back up. See, oh. we're, we so many of these moments stick out to us. And Garrett, I kind of messaged you this. Uh, I thought El Fantasmo now bearing just about anyone can fit with them just because who they oh, are. Yeah. But El Fantasmo kind of fit really well with the Bucks. That would be a great if – if there wasn't so much difficulty in getting these people to be able to work all the time with each other, it would be a great third person to have when like Adam Cole and uh, you know Kenny aren't available to tag with the Bucks. Like, I, you know, there's so many options with the Undisputed Elite right now, but I feel like eventually – like I don't know. Like, I, I want there to be this interfactional war between the three variations of the we, Bullet Club. We definitely need it, and I hope – I'm hoping they're waiting until Kenny comes back. Because that's an They've easy way to be, get Kenny, back. Kenny for that. Because I mean, now it seems like you gotta have a triple threat. Like you gotta have Kenny versus. Because well, now Bobby Fish is hurt White. too. So now we're hoping he's not gone too long. Well, yeah, but, but like, just, fucking... I just I can't even imagine the Jay White versus Kenny versus Adam Cole triple threat. That's just gonna be insanity. But um, it fucking works. Winner, so, winner gets the the pick of the litter of Bullet Club or something. You know, like. Yeah, and so the way our match kind of ends here, because we like going through the finish with you guys. So Phantasmo, he's kind of, he hits his walk rope moonsault on everyone outside. Bullet Club hits Sting with a triple super kick. Sting hit a double scorpion death drop on the Young Bucks. Sting twisted the nipples of Phantasmo, followed by a low blow. That's a revenge low blow. Uh, Shingo Takagi hit boxing punches before hitting Phantasmo with a lariat for a near fall. And then he hit the last of the dragon for the pinfall win. So we were... This is something I loved. Let Shingo Takagi get the pin. He he's he was the third world heavyweight champion. Balls by Tony Khan to have his freshly crowned champions lose on the pay per view. Yeah, that they just they could not let him eat the pin. Because at the same time, I don't think Shingo Takagi's kind of become like with Kota Ibushi being out. He he is like one of the top four there. Like as. Japan always likes to push their top. Like they have this idea of their top four. At least when Kenny was there, they did. I'm assuming they still do. And Shingo Takagi has kind of been seen as like one of the top four now. And it, I think it was important he wins. But yeah, uh, El Fantasmo takes the pin. And I got to say, man, I. Again, I sound like a broken record. I really love this match. <laughs> This is, this is the fourth match. We're going to hear that a lot tonight, everybody. I don't think there the was show. a single match on this show that I disliked. Like, And I got to say, I just – I was like thinking to myself, and we were kind of even talking to each other. And I'm like, dude, this is just unreal. We're four matches in, and I've loved everything. I'm even loving the results. Yeah, I know everything made sense. And yeah. there's so much history between all these people that you just didn't realize was there. And then let's get into our – 
We have an AEW Women's World Championship match between Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Has been built so we, up for a couple going of into years. the show. We thought this was going to be the match that potentially stole the show. Um, Unfortunately, on this card, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's but just there was such good shit. It did live up to the hype. I think I agree. Um, I, I, I would, yeah. So we kind of this match kicks off. They're they're doing the lockups. Mm-hmm. Storm hits her headlock sisters takedown on Rosa. They're going back and forth with the wrist locks, and I, I gotta say, I thought the. Uh, the, the chain wrestling here was really good, and the—I guess you could say the the note to Dustin Rhodes with the, with the down slap. I thought that was a nice touch. We had the nastiest hip attack yet from Tony. Um, Tony Storm's hip attacks—they're out of control. Shit, dude! Someone's gonna die. Someone's gonna die. Um, Rosa Weather is hitting her Northern Light suplex on Storm on the outside. Storm gets to the top rope, the Death Valley driver, but Storm reverses. Oh, God, that it. German suplex on the apron where, like, I think we almost lost Thunder Rosa. Like, Jesus Christ. Yep, that was uh, – she reversed that Death Valley driver and hit it. That hit that German suplex. And, <sighs> yeah, man, I mean, we kind of close up here. Rosa hits the Death Valley driver on her, followed by the Thunder Thunder driver, the Fire Thunder driver for a near fall. Mm-hmm. She then starts kicking her down. Storm escapes, hits that fucking German again. Rosa's tossed Storm's arms into the ground before hitting the final reckoning for the pinfall win. So only one final reckoning, and she goes down. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I can only imagine this match had to be squeezed for time or something. Like, um, even if because it was still really that, great, but it just yeah. it did feel a little short. Like there was still more they could have done. Compared to a lot of the card, yes, because this was only ten forty, and it it had time, right? But it. Like it wasn't as short as Camarado versus Archer, but it was never intended to be a long match, you know. Like, yeah. and yeah, I mean, hey, I think Thunder Rosa. This title feud has been something of discussion from a lot of other podcasts. I'm sure you guys listen to, or you know, even we've talked about it a lot at length. Of, you know, has this been a success? I mean, I, I think both of us think maybe the Nyla Rose thing. It, it just never it had a bit the, of a it was a bit of a clip to the knees of that of this title reign. Not that Nyla Rose isn't a great potential challenger. They just no, didn't yeah, let just, that breathe, and then they ran straight into the Serena thing, which they did let breathe, but they didn't give it any time on TV, which kind of yep. clipped that feud at the knees. So this whole title reign has kind of just been like sandbagged from the start. Now Tony Storm, we've we've had a lot of time on TV, and I felt like it's been a little better, but it's been. I think maybe three weeks, which is, which is fine. But it felt like the only way this goes on now is if Tony wins it. And it, I was like, well, do we really want to do that to Thunder? Cause her winning that title off Brit that, you know, Brit was such a great champion. It's like, again, is the story of Thunder Rosa's title reign going to be like the Lucha brothers where we don't remember any of the feuds. We just remember the couple matches at the end. I don't know. I mean, if you look at the matches that have happened so far, you had her versus Britt Baker. You have had her versus Nyla Rose, which was also a really great match. You've had her versus uh, Serena Deeb and now Tony Storm. And as well, you had the Marina Shivier match. All of the matches have been really good. I mean, I think the matches for the title have been good. If that's what it turns out to be, that's what it turns out to be. It's really unfortunate if that's the case, but... Because I really like Thunder Rosa. I remember saying to you on like the the what was it the fourth or the fifth episode of Dynamite or something like that or whatever the hell it was, maybe not that but it was like like a year into Dynamite. Well, or something I literally like that. think it was all the the first AEW show as 
Which, whatever we saw Thunder Rosa on as the as the I believe it was the uh, was it the NWA Women's Champion or something like that. Correct. With um, that fucking badass face, paint. horrible, disgusting looking belt. Um, yeah, um, but she she made it look good though. Um, and I remember all the way back then being like, "This is a champion right here. This is the person you put your company around." And uh, and I gotta ask, to see them not really do anything with that, you know? Yeah, and I gotta ask, you think a part of that is? We won't spend too much time on this, but Thunder Rosa. All the matches we've just listed, those are the only matches she's she's had since being champion. She's only defended the title. So, yeah, I mean, hey, not a – hopefully on Wednesday we have more for that. But, yeah, I mean, the Thunder Rosa title reign continues. She officially has a longer reign than Nyla Rose. There you go. We have an IWGP United States Championship match here. It's technically the interim, I guess. But Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, right. I don't give a fuck. About just, that. I, yeah, don't do that in Japan, <laughs> um, obviously. So you know. Will Ospreay's out there with Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, Aussie Open, and I kind of made a note to my friend I was watching the show with. Uh, the way that Will Ospreay's out there and how Aussie Open is kind of always out there for his matches, it literally reminds me of Kenny and the Bucks. How the Bucks are were always out there with Kenny. It kind of plays into the way they played the story too. Is that like when Kenny left in Japan, he told two people to carry the mantle, you know? Yeah, they, they played that. They love playing that ad. Will and, Ospreay uh, was one of those two people, you know. So, and you can really kind of see that influence on Will Ospreay. And about that time when Kenny and the Bucks left, Will Ospreay had a massive change in the way he did things, you know. So it's true. And and this is uh, to me, this was my favorite match of the night. So. You, Interesting. Okay. On Eat Sleep Elite, we pick our favorites as beginning, but on pay per views, we kind of just pick them throughout the night. And this is the one that stuck out to me the most still. And when it was all said and done, this was my favorite match of the night. This was my favorite Orange Cassidy match. Okay. And holy fuck, did those two have some unreal chemistry together? They I'm, I'm, are so good that even if this is the first time they've ever wrestled, which I, I don't know if it is. It definitely is on AEW. I, I could not believe how much I love this match. And I think I'm going to rewatch this match. This is going to be one of those matches where two years down the road, when Orange Cassidy's, you know, WWE world champion. <laughs> no, just fucking wait. What? I'm going to be looking back like, yeah. That well, Orange was so Cassidy is in the New Japan never open weight champion. Yeah. Orange Cassidy did his, did his shtick, but he turned up. Will Ospreay did his shtick, but he turned up. Uh, some of the spots here, man, a couple that stick out to me. Orange Cassidy did not uh, eat the first fucking hidden blade. Storm Cassidy. Storm Cassidy. Orange Cassidy kicked out. I thought that was a great touch, and that kind of added to the stakes that we had here. But, I mean... Will Ospreay taunting him with those shotgun kicks, and then fucking Cassidy does his little joking to it. Ospreay makes a mockery of it, and Cassidy just turns it up to another level, starts kicking him in the head. Garrett, he smashed Will Ospreay's head for the goddamn fucking camera and busted it. That was pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad they finally fucking did that spot. I'm surprised it took this long. Someone finally was like, are we allowed to fucking make that camera do that? And they were like, yeah, I can't believe you didn't ask sooner. Like, you know what I mean? Like... It might have just been one of those things where you had to get permission or something. I don't know, but like, um, it's like the fucking announce table in WWE. But like, 
I don't know. Like I, I, there was so many crazy like things, like you said throughout. I like that the beginning of the match was just like Orange Cassidy's not been in the ring in months, and he just wants to show off a little bit. So we're just yes. gonna have him toss to- toss uh, Osprey to the outside and do the little heel regrouping thing because that's a great thing. And then we'll have Cassidy just stare him down in the ring because why would Cassidy waste the energy of doing a, a dive to the outside right now? We know he's gonna hit one later, yep. which he did. You know, he hit the the triple dive spot where not a triple dive there wasn't three people there this time but um you know where he you know does like the spring up and then flips over the top rope um or i guess he flips off the top rope you get what i'm saying where he dives and took out aussie open um there were very there were several moments where i thought cassidy was gonna win like legitimately like and i was like oh we're going to get Cassidy versus Juice for the U.S. title. That's going to be insane. Well, they they um, really caught me one time. There, there was a near fall that I was like, oh, oh, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, my God. Of course. Of course they got me. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, I, there, the there was a uh, like a – I don't know if it was a roll-up or like whatever – weird combo roll up that, that Cassidy does that he, I, I really thought he had like the hooks in super deep. There was a couple of pins like that tonight where they were just like, I was like how they got out of that. I don't know. There was a couple pins. They didn't actually get out of we'll we'll it. Oh yeah. Um, we'll get to that. But um, man, just absolutely insanity. I, I don't even like, I don't know how, I don't know how by this point in the show, we weren't already dead. And the crowd just never gave up on this show. And it's, it's, it's something that it's, I've it's never like seen like we said, they paced it a little bit. I mean, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm wrestled a little bit of a slower match. Absolutely. And that paid so. off to the booking of the card. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the story told while they were wrestling is something that I just love so much. And oh, <laughs> I just – I'm so excited. Uh, Osprey won with the Stormbreaker. I mean, he retained his title. After the match, United Empire attacked Orange Cassidy at the orders of Osprey. Tremperet and Rocky Romero came down for the save, but the United Empire took care of them. And then from out of nowhere, Shibata came to the ring to attack all of the United Empire. Shibata and Osprey brawled before Shibata hit the pump kick. And yeah, so Shibata and Orange Cassidy did a fun little stuff. And this is, I think, a nod to Shibata. Like, hey, we're going to get him on the fucking show. The guy yeah, can't wrestle. Mm-hmm. He trains at the dojo. And, you know, he had an infamous injury that... He had with Okada, where he literally had a fucking brain bleed, and he had to medically retire because he had but Okada too hard. And he's just a New Japan legend. I think it's safe to say that. And to get him on the show just makes sense. Right? Oh, yeah, 100%. It just just makes sense. It's just cool to see that. You know, like if you're going to do a new Japan crossover show, I mean, who better than the person that literally helped set up the LA dojo? You know, like. Yeah, I feel like you can see his impact too when you watch guys like Kevin Knight and Clark Connors and Absolutely. Alex Coughlin, you know. So Zack Sabre Jr. Right. was set to face an opponent of Brian Danielson's choosing and it ended up being none other than Claudio Castagnoli, formerly known as Cesaro in WWE, to a massive pop. And oh my God, that theme song, Garrett, I can't wait to listen to it. That's going to be awesome, yeah. Oh, that sounds so good, dude. It does. Um, I love too that he was. The crowd was so hot for this. For this, they popped so loudly for for Claudio that as soon as they hit the ring, he just hit his finish immediately. Just like fuck it, we're going straight in. You know. I'm um, glad he didn't finish it because I love this match. But 
<laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we got the match that we did out of it. But like that, if that had been it right there, and we moved straight on, and Zack Saber Jr. was just buried in the history of AEW and never came back, I'd have been like, you know what? Right. You know what? All right. All right. Next match, everybody. You know, like if there was another match to put in between, that'd have been awesome. But like, you know, uh, next man up. Fuck it. But no, man. Like you said, the thunderous fucking. Apl- I mean, everyone wants to see Claudio wrestle. Absolutely. And, Previous WrestleMania, he had the best match of the card with Seth Rollins. The bar. I mean, he this guy did everything he could when he was in WWE, and he, he always made it work. Whether if they wanted him to or not. Similar to uh, you know, Miro there, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I'm so happy for the guy. I, I just, I think this was a hero's return, or a hero's welcome, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. And he's the newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club. Which Before we jump so into the match, I want to. Yeah, I was gonna say I want to talk about this. John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castagnoli. Are you fucking kidding me? And the manager is William Regal. The manager is William Regal. Garrett, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Is this like, like I'm not even trying to be funny. Is this like the coolest faction ever? I mean, it has to be. And the crazy thing is it was all completely organic, too, because if you I mean, I just was uh, listening to the John Moxley interview on uh, the sessions with Renee Paquette. Yeah, I was. That? Um, and it was great. It was great. It did, they dropped it literally the week of Forbidden Door. So, like, it's all super relevant. I mean, oh, they okay. literally talk about uh, the formation of the Blackpool Combat Club in there. And from what uh, Moxley was saying in that interview they were just sort of doing the storyline and they just were looking for an excuse to fight. So the, the tag team formation thing, and you kind of see the bits of the storyline that sort of hang that were there from this, but originally they were just supposed to fight. There wasn't supposed to be any tag team. They were just supposed to come up with, they were just trying to come up with a reason for them to have a match. Cause he had been off TV for so long. Yep. So he, and you know, Brian just came up with the story of them being a tag team and he, he came up with all these really good reasons that, and we remember saying this to you on the podcast. I was like, I dude, I I'm convinced by Danielson's argument. I know this is a promo, but like, I, I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't be a tag. We're rooting for it so much too. And I mean, look what it's become. And, and, and that's literally what they, what literally organically happened between the two of them. Like he literally just called Brian one day and was like, you know, I think I should say yes. And then Brian was like, you know, I was thinking the same thing. And that's just, it spiraled from there all the way through to the decision to bring in William Regal. Apparently that decision had already been made and Mox was about to call Brian with that idea. I mean, it's just like bringing in Wheeler, I'm sure was on the same, same wavelength. I mean, if they're in that same level of wavelength, you know, this was going to be one of the next moves that they absolutely made. Maybe it would have been a little bit further down the road. Um, because they obviously weren't in any rush to bring in Claudio. I mean, clearly he was interested and clearly was already signed. They just hadn't decided to bring him in yet. Yeah, they were um, waiting on that right time. And man, it's just, uh, it's such a great faction. And I, I hope striking when the iron is high, you know, like absolutely. opportunity presented itself next man up. You were just joking about that, but that's really what this was, you know, like. And now Claudio's here and he's, he, oh my God, we're going to get Claudio and Wheeler Yuta tag matches. Like this shit's <laughs> fucking awesome, dude. And with Danielson being out for hopefully not too long, I think this is going to make a lot of sense going forward, whether they're... You're going to get eight mans with Claudio, John Moxley, Brian Danielson, and Wheeler Yuta. 
I just I can't fucking believe it. As and as one half of the Hopefully I mean, it's all setting up Grand Slam. It's literally five V five, Undisputed Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. And no idea who the fifth could be yet, but there's many people that we've given our options on, and it could be one of our pillars. We always mention our pillars, so let's get into this match a little bit. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Claudio. I gotta say, man, I just they really let Zack Sabre Jr. be Zack Sabre Jr. Yes. And if you guys that have seen Zack's matches, you're like, yeah, they really did. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this was this was a bit of a slower match, right? There was a lot you know of how game- I would describe Zack Sabre Jr.'s wrestling style. Like he's like a flying python. Does that make sense? Like he flies around the ring yes. and catches you and like like holds and stuff like that. that that's how I describe the way Zack Sabre Jr. wrestles. Which is why I've always liked Zack Sabre Jr. Even when he was just kind of just bullshitting around in the British wrestling scene for a while before he really moved over to Japan. Um, and I just. <laughs> It's so it's so ridiculous. Like I don't understand how. Like again, I always talk about men of certain size. Like you forget how big of a guy Zack Saber Junior is sometimes, and then you see yes, Claudio Castagnoli stand next to him, and you're like, oh yeah, because it's so hard. Because sometimes they try and put the guys next to each other that are actually look look similar sizes, so it looks realistic. But like, goddamn, Zack Saber Junior is so athletic. Ugh. One of the things of the one of the stories of this match was Zach avoiding the swing. He avoided it for as long as he could. Counted into a guillotine at one point. Yeah, and and he something he did to avoid the swing, which is why Zach Saber Jr. is so fucking smart. He constantly worked on the arms, and yeah. so when he finally got the swing after like the fourth attempt, he could only do five of them because Zach worked the arms so much. And Garrett, I fucking love wrestling. I love shit like that. That just speaks to me. Like this, this is the kind of shit that just speaks to me. And this is following that insane Osprey and and Cassidy match. And I just, I, I love this. So our, our finish here after the, uh, after the swing, Claudio went for the sharpshooter. Zach reversed it into a knee bar, transitioning into a figure four lock. Claudio reverses the sharpshooter, but breaks the hole by a double stomp on Zach with a near fall. I thought that double stomp was uh, really well done, actually. I don't remember him doing too much of that. Claudio hits two more uppercuts on Zach. Zach hits Claudio with a Pele kick to the arm. Zach puts Claudio in a, in a sleeper hole, transitioning to a modified arm bar. And then Zach hits his penalty kicks, which when he has that match with Danielson and they're doing their kicks, dude, oh my God. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Claudio shook them off and hit another European uppercut and larried on Zach for a near fall. Zach got Claudio in a European clutch for, for a near fall. Claudio hit a pop-up uppercut followed by a lariat, and then he hits a powerbomb on Zach for the pinfall win. This match was a technical masterpiece. It, like, dude, it fucking was. And this is this is why Danielson picked him in, in kayfabe. No, literally. I don't even think it was in kayfabe. I think this I is genuinely. Even if it wasn't in kayfabe, was yeah. gonna, I, know, I, I, I Nothing about the Blackpool Combat Club has been fucking kayfabe, dude. Let's be real. That's what – I mean, I don't care if you think John Moxley is trying to fucking work everybody on a goddamn – podcast with his wife i can't see why he would do that he's really a genuinely honest guy you know and uh if you read mox's book which i have not but i know from what i heard that if you read mox's book that that's absolutely the kind of person that he is so i believe um, it. i believe i mean it. you know but uh the other thing I, w- I noted from this match um claudio's gear looked really nice holy uh, shit I- did it look good um which i i wanted to make sure i got in there i because i, I yeah, actually that new shirt he's got too man the Black Bull Combat oh. Club, man, I just, I fucking. Mm. 
So what a faction. What a faction. Only you take the lead on this next match, Garrett. Our IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Jay White versus Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole versus Kazuchika Okada. Man, what a match. Um, Kazuchika Okada is one of a kind. Uh, there's no one else like Okada. There's never going to be anyone else like Okada. I don't think there's a comparable person in America. I don't think there's ever going to be a comparable person in America because at a time when like New Japan Pro Wrestling was not really struggling, but they weren't really in a great spot either, you know? Um, they were kind of like... I, at one point, like they weren't even the, the second biggest wrestling promotion, I don't think. You know, like there was probably a time when, when other promotions in America were at least comparable. Um, Okada just became New Japan. Um, and I think that's why you needed Okada in this match. Um, because you could have had the, you know, the sort of like the triple threat, but I feel like there was a need for, uh, Okada to be on this forbidden door show. I feel like it wouldn't have been complete. Um, that's me gushing over Okada. Oh, 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 out of the way. All right. Um, <laughs> hey, fair enough. Fair um, enough. It's not too often we get to talk about him too much, you know. Absolutely, and it might not be a while again that we get to. So, um, taking opportunity as as it's here. But anyway, um, Adam Cole, J J White teaming up makes sense. Um, and it was great to set up for later in the match when it eventually was going to blow up. Um. I literally did the the shrugging emote in my in my notes because it's like oh, <laughs> turned on him, ah, 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 you know. And then uh, and then I liked that uh, Jay White returned the favor later in the match uh, to pick up the win. But um, and I think um, you know I guess I'll 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 let you you know uh, add in your stuff about this match as well. But uh, I do have a question I want to ask after you get through whatever it is you're to say. Yeah, I I, I gotta say I think uh, I like the story told here. You had the two faces, the two heels. And then Adam Cole hits the backstabber to turn on Jay White. I thought that was a great touch. Absolutely. Hangman Adam Page is just fucking incredibly over still. So if if he goes against Moxley here for a little bit, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, man. I I mean, you kind of got it all here. It's it was this was a fun match. This was special. They let it slow down a little bit too. They it wasn't. Completely all gas, no breaks. There was yeah, no. This was another one of those matches where, even though it was really good, they they paced it in a way yep. that they they, they tapped um, the brakes there a little bit. And you and you you should. New Japan, by the way, is super good about that. Like sometimes you'll get really confused when watching certain title matches in New Japan, but like I feel like that's why they introduced an intercontinental and a never open weight and a U.S. title and a six man title because sometimes you just need a title match to slow things down. This was that match for this show. And, um, and one of the stories here was Okada kept going for the Rainmaker. He kept going for the Rainmaker. Did he successfully hit a Rainmaker? He did not. Okada went for the Rainmaker, but got hit with a super kick by Cole. Cole hit a super kick on Page and another super kick on Okada for a near fall. He went for the Rainmaker again, but Cole hits the Enziguri kick and a super kick on Okada. Okada hit a drop kick on Cole, which is where people might think some stuff happens. We'll get into that in a second. Okada followed by a Michinoku driver. Okada went for a rainmaker on Cole, but White hit a blade runner on Okada. White then pins Cole for the pinfall. So this uh, the pin here was a little weird, right? We actually forgot to mention Rapunky Vice are actually, uh, you know, technically the champions. But um, 
<laughs> yes, that's right. So we forgot that we got caught up in that match. I but, think um, uh, what people are guessing what happened here, and, and I mean, by the time you guys listen to this, you might already know what happened. But what people are kind of predicting here, or looking at the tape and wondering, is I think Cole got knocked a little silly on that drop kick, and it kind of fucked him up a little bit. So when Jay White pinned him. It, it seemed awkward because maybe that wasn't when Jay White was supposed to pin him. Maybe he was supposed to pin him after a Rainmaker. Well, yeah, because he had just hit the the Blade Runner on Okada, who was yep. had just done that drop kick, And so you would have thought he would have pinned Okada, which it looked like he almost went to do instinctively. But, like, yes, the story was kind of hard. It, it would have been hard on the fly to edit to that, so I don't blame him for just running over and pinning Cole. Because maybe Adam it. Cole was supposed to already kind of be up and that's probably what it was and so he just went over there because they he figured if adam wasn't up that there was some reason for that which it did look like adam was injured potentially after the match so and he wrestled with an injury so maybe he got more yeah hurt. so i'm thinking he just aggravated that injury i'm hoping it's not anything serious that puts him out for a long yeah, time because i would like to because my question for you was does this lead to a potential split in the bullet club the undisputed elite we got a little tease of it with with kyle and the Bucks not being very happy about this after the fact, and Jay White just kind of blowing him off. So yeah, it could, but at the same time, it could get covered up in one conversation of Jay White's like, "Hey, man, it was a singles match, and you did it to me first. And he could also just be like, "Yeah, you know, Kenny put left me in charge of the club. You guys decided to go do your own thing. You know, go fuck yourself." So I had to make sure I brought my title home. Absolutely. So okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Yeah, this, this was a good match, right. though. This, uh, no, absolutely. 100%. Let's get into our main event. The interim AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. And this felt like a main event. And it did. They, they took their time to get going. Once they got going, they were telling a great story. Moxley was cut open. Tanahashi was working the legs like he does. Continuous heavy strikes. I, but we didn't really mention it every match because we don't want to get too repetitive. But like every single match, and this is just a, a mark of that New Japan strong, not New Japan strong in the show, but New Japan strong style of wrestling, yep. that everybody was just absolutely obliterating each other tonight. I mean, I feel like there's going to be some concussions after this show. Some people they were laying the shit. Fucking, yeah, they, there were some receipts tonight. And I mean, um, you know... I, there was a really nice sequence from uh, both of both of the guys, Moxley and Tanahashi, at the beginning, where they both hit like a, a good sequence of moves from their arsenals, and then that kind of slowed down a little bit. Back to back Indian leg locks. I mean, yeah. Yep. And then Tanahashi got put through a table at one point. Yeah, that was surprising, right? That was you the know, first table. It's not that surprising, though, actually, because if you think about it, it happens a lot in New Japan matches. So. It does. And speaking of that, uh, Okada made sure he got in his uh, barrier, his barricade stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He always yeah. has to get that in. <laughs> he loves jumping over those fucking barricades. I mean, he just has fun out there. Kevin Kelly loves mentioning the track star. So they all got their stuff in. <laughs> Everybody got their shit in tonight. But, yeah, I mean, God, I, I, the story of this match is just Tanahashi just wouldn't go down. And then when Tanahashi was getting his shit in, Moxley wouldn't go down. <laughs> Absolutely. Moxley couldn't hit, couldn't land the paradigm ship for the longest time. Yep. And those snap German suplexes look fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... I really like the look of the ace is high to the outside. That's a really... It's weird. Like, people will, will think that... 
Tanahashi's moveset isn't as flashy as some other wrestlers, but like it's, it's just smooth, man, but effective. Like that, it's just a cross body, but it's really, really nice when he does it because of how big of a guy. And, he and is. you don't need the flashiness when you do everything smooth and beautiful. Absolutely. And when you make everyone care about your match, following along and the man's signature moves are like a crossbody and a sling blade, but he does it better than anybody else. So it's like, yeah, that somersault sent on. Oh my God. That got a near fall. <laughs> that was a really nice spot too. But yeah, let's, let's get to the finish of this match here. So let's go. Tanahashi he hits a jackknife cover for a near fall and Moxley transitions that to a rear naked choke. And that kind of sets up our, what we've been having of this back and forth all match of one guy hits one thing, the other puts in a locks him up in a submission. There was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Tanahashi hit headbutts on Moxley, which is fucking awesome. By the way, Moxley uh-huh. hit a lariat on Tanahashi. Tanahashi kicked out at one. Yeah. That kicked kick out on lariat usually gets a near fall for, for Moxley. So that was pretty crazy. We're like 16 minutes into this match, maybe even longer, 17 minutes. Tanahashi kicked out at one. That made Moxley flip the fuck out. He hits yep. a series of elbow strikes on Tanahashi, followed by a sleeper hole. Sleeper hole transitioning to a blood uh, bulldog choke. Tanahashi fought through the hold, but was passed out. Rather than hitting the paradigm shift, Moxley hit the death rider on Tanahashi for the pinfall win, becoming the first ever two-time AEW World Heavyweight Champion. So now, just before that happened, you did miss one part. I do, right? and this might not have just been in the thing, but there was a, a sequence where Tanahashi kicked out of the paradigm shift, Mox uh, kicked out of the high fly flow, and then... Uh, then everything that you just mentioned happened. Um, yeah, and it, it was it was a really nice. This was a fun match, man. I mean this this was a true Tanahashi match. Absolutely, it didn't go forty five minutes, but it didn't need to. No, I mean it didn't. Yeah, no, this isn't. It went eighteen, and it. I felt like the time was used well. Absolutely. So I guess real quick. I mean, we we've talked about it a little bit, but thoughts on John Moxley as the champ. I mean, it's the decision everyone just kind of assumed they were going to go with. It makes the most sense because, you know, this kind of confirms one that I think Punk's going to be out for a little bit longer than maybe was a little bit uh, ex- you know, expected. I Because I, I don't know, I didn't expect him to be out for like ever. But like if it's going to be multiple, multiple months, then you got to crown a new champion. Um, I do wonder what the alternate timeline looks like where Tanahashi wins and he takes it back to Japan and... Like Same. a bunch of people go to Japan trying to win the title back, and then he makes it all the way to the next pay per view, and maybe Moxley or someone beats him there. Um, He's wrestling the climax with that title. I, I would love to see what what's happening. Oh, that would be incredible. I mean, Tony Khan trying to convince out, the New Japan team? people to let them defend the AEW title during the tournament somehow. Like, could have some fun stuff with it, man. Like whoever pins him to get the number one contender. I mean, yeah. Ooh, that'd be that'd be. That would be cool. That'd be, you could do some this cool stuff with that. time fucking uh, IWGP heavyweight champ. I mean, no joke. So, yeah, I think I think when all is said and done, Forbidden Door delivered. Right? Like, oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, this might be the best pay-per-view of the year, which is crazy because we keep saying that every pay-per-view. Like, <laughs> I almost might. This might be one of – yeah. I mean, since All Out last year, I think this was this is this is the best one since. And that's across any company. And I feel confident in saying that. I just, I really well, yeah, think. I think what, what was, but has been better. Like, I mean. And, you know, the build to this, and I'm sure you guys see it being in wrestling, you know, Twitter or wrestling media or anything. You guys see it where people have really tried to knock the build on this saying no one cares. You know, it's only middle-aged men that care. It's like, look, 
this is fucking professional wrestling. It's all, I believe you said it best once. You're like, it's already a niche group. Like, we're fucking watching wrestling. Uh, yeah, like, I, I, that was my, my whole argument that I made to you when, like, when they, when the, that was the argument people were making. It's like, if you can find me a single wrestling show anywhere in the world that actually has any bit of hype behind it and it'll lead up to a pay per view anywhere that's real. Um, I'll, I, I'll give you a shout out to the podcast or something that's admirable if you do, but I don't think you're going to find it because it's just the, I think whatever assemblance of like a potential wrestling audience that was still there, like three or four years ago, I think they maybe killed all that. I think they just decided they didn't want to build it anymore. They didn't care. And what and AEW they, they slotted all the momentum and AEW is starting to rebuild that. But it's not it's can it's not gonna happen overnight, you know. And like, something they're doing slowly but surely, and shows like this only help it is bringing people back who haven't watched wrestling in years. And maybe maybe this is the first maybe you're on a podcast roll right now and you haven't really been listening to wrestling podcasts and you're or this is your eighth podcast, and you're like, I'm just I can't get enough of this shit. Hey, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> but We've all been there with wrestling. You fall out of love with it a little bit, and then something brings you back in. And I think that's something AEW is doing so well. And this show, man, was a fucking A+. I mean, it, I really, really love this. And I love the storylines going out of it. And one of the big storylines is Blood and Guts, Garrett. And that's kind of our closing segment here was Blood and Guts preview. Lots of ass kicking. Pretty much it was just setting up Claudio coming back out. And... Kingston had a moment where where you can see Claudio standing next to Moxley because Kingston does not like Claudio. And he talked some shit to Moxley and he told him to fuck off. And my God, I cannot wait till blood and guts. I mean, it means we have to get Danielson and Claudio versus Moxley and Kingston at some point. I mean, that just has to happen. Uh, the inner blood f- turmoil. Yeah, dude, this <laughs> it's it's late, boys. It's fucking late. This is where we're at. You know what? You know who needs to join us real quick? Oh shit. Hold on. Look at this. And his name is John Cena. All right. And if your headphones just blew up, I'm sorry, but yeah, Garrett, I think <laughs> I think that's it for us, huh, bud? <laughs> fucking hell. Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Who's winning the blood and guts? Uh, the fans, the fans are winning. I agree. Blood and guts, blood and guts, blood and guts. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. You know where to catch us. If you like this podcast, stick around. If you like Daniel Garcia, stick around. And uh, you know the vibes. Sports entertainer, entertainer. We will see you guys next week on Eat Sleep Elite. <laughs>